0: Believers Love Life, part seven. Part seven. It's been enriching, it's been wonderful, and we are continuing in this grace. Hallelujah. Okay, so Romans chapter 12, verse 14 to 21. Well, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, you all know I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your body's living sacrifice unto God, holy, acceptable, and also be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may be able to prove that which is good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. So as we have an understanding Regarding the renewal of our mind, so that we can present ourselves in the way we have been born of God. In the new nature for which we have been giving. So that we don't conform or copy the fashioning or the pattern, the mental pattern of the world. Apostle Paul then tells us exactly what to do and you see right here in Romans chapter 12, verse 14 to 21, that he was actually quoting Christ Jesus from Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 to 48. So, we will see what Jesus expressly said is what Paul also said and then explained further. Okay, so you can see there's consistency in scripture. None of them, spoke anything for which christ had not first spoken about or giving and especially when it comes to this love life okay so in renewing our mind definitely we approve and live the love life that's why philippians 1 9 to 10 tells us that we become blameless okay without offense to the day of judgment okay so Romans twelve fourteen to 21. Bless those who persecute you. So you can see Jesus' speech right there. Bless and do not curse. Cursing is speaking of evil words. So Apostle Paul says, instead of cursing or speaking evil, You cannot. James also said that you can speak evil words with the same mouth for which you bless. Okay, And he says that a fountain cannot have two kinds of water flowing from it, evil and good. And so, Apostle Paul admonishes us in the words of Christ that if somebody would curse you, don't curse them back. Somebody speaks evil words to hurt you or to... Hand you down. Don't do say. You rather speak, eulogize them. Speak good words about them. Speak well about them to people. Speak well about them to the Father. Okay. So bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice, and weep with those who weep. So sh- show care in all situations with people. Okay. So if they are weeping, weep with them, mourn with them, empathize their pain. If you are rejoicing about something, go ahead and rejoice with them so far as it is in the will of God. Rejoice with them. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things. Do not set your mind on high things. In other words, be sober-minded. That's why he says, but associate with the humble. Be very sober-minded. You know, most of these things, very high ambitions. I want to be great. I want to be famous. I want to be a star, you know, and, and, and all of these celebrity status, okay, Um, I mean, that we so crave for actually speaks to self. Speaks to self. If you are filled with the love of God and you have the mind of Christ, fame and all of those things is not something that you even think about. It's just because we don't have understanding. You would always look forward to be a servant to serve others. Okay. All right. And in that, if you are made popular, it's not because that's what you actually so desire. It's because your servitude and that's actually what made Jesus so. Okay. Yes. All right, so your servitude to people, your servitude to mankind, and your service to God then opens you up. So it is not with a kind of a quest where you crave so much and you are high-minded and, and you have ridiculous targets and you want to um, compromise everything at all costs. To become that. And that's exactly what we hear a lot preached today. Okay, so everybody in the church now wants to be a celebrity. And wants to just um, uh, lord over people and override people. So he says, associate with the humble. Be very sober minded. Be modest in the things you do. Okay? All right. Do not be wise in your own opinion. I think that this speaks to what is said before. If you actually are not high minded, you will not be set in your opinions. You would always subject your judgment, okay, to that of God's word. So your judgment, how you think, how you prioritize, how you see things, your perspectives about things will definitely be that which God said to, okay? And so you are very, very not, uh, you are very, very uh, submitted and you subject your judgment to God's word. 17, repay no one evil for evil, Repay no one evil for evil. And he says, have regard for good things in the sight of all men. So, no matter what is done to you, see the best in people. See the best in people. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. Speak well of them. Regard them as God's people, as God's creation. Don't see them in a certain um, detestable way. Don't see them as people of no regard because of something they did to you or something you saw them do. See them in the way God sees them. See them created in the image of God. It's very important. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you. So what it actually says here is very clear that if making peace depends on you, go ahead and make sure you do that because that's the love life. Okay? Because there are certain times that it does not depend on you to make peace. You are okay, you don't want to quarrel, you don't want to conflict, but then the person still doesn't want to talk to you. You do everything and they don't want to talk to you. Well, you can do anything about that, but you so love them in your heart and you are always ready to open up anytime they are. But then when it depends on you to make peace, because maybe somebody hurt you and you you have to make peace, and it depends on you and they are ready. Just go ahead and make sure that you settle with them. Okay? So that you can live peaceably with all men no matter what they have done to you. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves. Do not avenge yourselves. So we are to live as brothers and we are, we are to, to bear one another. So no matter what anybody does to you, please take away revenge from your mind. It is not, the, it's not part of the mindset of the believer, okay, to avenge. No, it is not at all. He said, but rather give place to wrath. If you are not careful about this English, um, this grammar, you would think he's saying that rather um, be angry and always give place to wrath. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is that give room, give room. So that if people are um, offend you, you can easily forgive. So that's what he's saying here. That you make room for anger. What he means is that people will definitely offend you one way or the other. So always expect it so that you are not shocked to react in the way that you don't have to. So expect that people will make you angry and make room for that. So that when you are made angry, you don't react in an ungodly manner. And that's exactly what James also speaks to us in James 1.19. When he says we should be um, um, swift to hear, but then slow to speak and then slow to wrath. Because the wrath of man does not produce righteous works. The righteousness of God. What he means is that when you act swiftly... To what you hear by speaking or by acting in anger, you will reveal ungodly works. You will reveal evil works. You will reveal works of wickedness, works of vengeance, works of malice. You will not reveal any fruit of righteousness. So give room. That people would definitely offend you, but you are thinking forgiveness. So, in case they offend you, you have already made room to forgive and to let go. That's why the believer must think forgiveness. So, he says, give place to wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. 20, that's the place where it becomes quite Uh, complicated because of what we have been taught for several years. Therefore, if your enemy is a hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, 21 should be able to let you know what 20 said. Okay, If you want to understand the context of something that is said, you must always look at the pretext or the posttext and it will definitely give you an idea of the context so you can understand the content. Okay, now it says that if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And those are also the words of Jesus. He says, I, I was hungry, you did not feed me. I was thirsty, you did not give me water. I was naked, you did not clothe me. That's exactly what Paul is also quoting right here. So if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil. But overcome evil with good. So, um, heaping coals of fire on the head of your enemy is not punishment to your enemy. So, most of us think that he says that do them good. And because by that, God's vengeance will come upon them. No, that's not the meaning of the text. Then it means that you have forfeited love or evil. Evil, you are repaying evil with evil because what you are actually looking forward to is to see God's judgment on them so that you say, "Aha! Uh-huh. You see, they did this to me. Look at what is happening to them. And we even see this amongst pastors who says, look at what they did to me and look at the way God is punishing them. And that is their, to their glory is a shame. That's not the heart of The believer that's not the heart of Christ. This does not show a love mental disposition or a mental disposition of love, not at all. Okay, this is not the heart of Christ, this is not the mind of Christ. What this text rather says is that as you do them good, as you love your enemy by the love you show them. May they be convicted by your love so that they would escape the judgment and the punishment that God gives to the offender. Okay? So you are rather getting them out of God's punishment. So the, 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 the expression here, if you can see, is in inverted commas. Because it is actually something that was done for penitence and also for propitiation in those days, okay? Where people do that so that when they are done with that, they escape judgment, all right? So they actually put the fire so that on their heads so that they don't go through the actual fire. So that's actually what it means. So when you do your enemy good, Paul is saying that, Your goodness to them, your kindness to them will bring them to the place of conviction where they will see the Christ in you and it will turn them to Christ. Or if they're already believers, it will actually make them understand the love of Christ so they can extend that love to others, okay, so that they live the love life as well. Okay, and that's exactly what this means. And please note it carefully. So don't be praying certain prayers and don't be saying God will judge you and all of those things. No, no, that's not the life of the believer. Praise God. So it is up to you to overcome evil with good. If you succumb to evil by responding to evil with evil, then it means that you have been overcome by it. So it is all up to you to know that you have a mental pattern. You have a thinking pattern that overcomes evil with what? With good. And so you don't repay evil with evil. If you read um, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32 Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, it says, And be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Be tender hearted and be kind to one another, forgiving. So it's a continuous thing, forgiving one another. Okay, so you don't forgive today and then say, oh, I've forgiven them enough. Remember Luke chapter 17, seven times in a day, if they offend you, you go ahead and still forgive them, all right? So it's key to understand that the forgiveness must be continuous. It doesn't matter how many times, okay? 1 Corinthians 13 also tells us that love bears all things and love believes all things. That was love believes in all people. It matter whatever, love believes in them. We forgive and we let go. So continuously you let go. The word tender hearted there is the word is pledge is, 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 is plas- is, is close. Euse pledge close. Use pledge close. It means positive sympathy, positive sympathy. In other words, you can be merciful with your emotions detached, but we must not do that. So you are tender hearted, you are malleable at heart. You come, you show mercy with your emotions. It's not something that you are just doing or somebody would have to force you or coerce you to do it. You do it because that's what you want to do. Praise God. Look at First Corinthians chapter 6, 7 to 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 7 to 8. And I'll be reading this in different versions. And please allow me because I really want you to understand that what the text is saying is exactly what it's saying. And if it runs through all the versions like that, then you must know that all of them are saying the same thing. And they want to be really sure that each one of us would understand that exactly what they're communicating is what we have to understand. 1 Corinthians 6, 7, the NIV says, the very fact that you have lost suits among you means you have been completely defeated already. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated? Instead, you yourself cheat and do wrong. And you do this to your brothers and sisters. (laughs) 1 Corinthians 6, 7 to 8, I'm reading from The New King James Version. Now, therefore, it's already an utter failure for you that you go up to the law against one another. Why do you not rather accept wrong? Why do you not rather let yourselves be cheated? No, you yourselves do wrong and cheat and you do these things to your brethren. NLT, even to have such lawsuits with one another is a defeat for you. Why not just accept the injustice and leave leave it at that? Why not let yourselves be cheated? Instead, you yourselves are the ones who do wrong and cheat even your fellow believers. TLB says, these court cases are an ugly blot on your community. Wouldn't it be far better to just take it, to let yourselves be wronged and forget it All you're doing is providing fuel for more wrong, more injustice, bringing more hurt to the people in your own spiritual family. Amplified classic. Why? The very fact of your having lawsuits with one another at all is a defect, a defeat, an evidence of positive moral loss for you. Why not rather let yourselves suffer wrong? and be deprived of what is your due. Why not rather be cheated, defrauded, and robbed? But instead, it is you yourselves who wrong and defraud, and that even your own brethren, by treating them so. Amazing. So, Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, and this is a scenario where, They were taking themselves to the law courts because people will borrow people's money and all of those things. It had to do with material things. And they will not pay back, and so they'll have to take them to court and all of that. And this is what he tells them, that why don't you allow yourselves to be cheated? Why don't you allow yourselves to be defrauded and to be robbed? Somebody say, this is difficult. It's not difficult. It's not. It's in our power to do it because we have it. We'll get there very soon. Listen to me very carefully. Anytime you read such in the Bible, ask yourself that would you love this to be done for you? So like Jesus said, do unto others what you want them to do to you so if you also would love that you offend people but they forgive you they don't take you to the law courts if you are asked to do that for somebody you should be able to do it because one of these days you may become the one who is the offender you may it can happen It can happen. We always find excuses because we are the victims at certain points. But then when you become the offender and the other person is the victim of the offense, you want them to let go. You want them to let go. So know that the word of God is true and you can realize that as we actually teach the word of God the way we have to, you see how material things have no place at all when it comes to our worship. It has no place at all. It keeps diminishing in value at every point, And you see that it doesn't have a place when it comes to value regarding spiritual things and the things of God. So he's actually telling them that with regards to brotherly kindness and love, which is our paramount nature and thinking pattern, don't let material things become a stumbling block in the way of love. In the way of the faith. That's why he says. This has become an ugly blot. In the Christian community. Our righteousness. Our fruits of righteousness. Our Christian conduct. Has nothing at all to do with God. Listen. God is God. As a matter of fact. How can you please God? Because the righteousness with which you want to please him, he gave you that righteousness. The love you want to show him, he gave you that love. So tell me, God is forgiving. God does not hold grudges. So we don't offend God in any way. You see, so we please God by showing love to one another. And our works of righteousness is not for God, but for people. Our fruits of righteousness is meant to actually keep the integrity and the testimony of the gospel intact. Because when we do things that does not befit who we are, it brings a dent and a on the message we preach and the Christian faith. And so these things that we are asked to do are meant to be conduct we show to one another so the world will see. That's why Jesus said that let your light so shine before men. He didn't say before God. Matthew 5, 16 let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and then they give glory to your Father. And what did Jesus say? He says, when we show love one to another, that is when people will know that we are of God, we are children of God, we are sons of God, we are his disciples. So it has nothing to do with God. It has to do with the faith, with the people of the faith. And we should be able to win them into the faith by the love we show one another. So when they see that we are divided, when they see that we are fighting against one another, when they see certain conducts that are despicable, it does not promote the gospel and present it in the way that it should. It throws death on it. So he says, don't be divided because of material things. And that's why we have to be careful what we preach. Let's preach the gospel. You have to be careful what you expose your mind to. Because when you are told that God has to, you have to give something to God. Before God gives you something, you have to do something before God does something. Then it's creating a certain mentality in you that before your brother takes something from you, they have to give something. Because if that's the way God operates and you have the nature of God, then that's the way you operate. That's why it's so difficult for us to let go. Because you are told that you do this and God will never forgive you. If somebody tells you that and you expose your mind to this and you understand that that's the nature of God, you relate to people in the same way. It is toxic. It is toxic. That's not God. And that's not you as well. Like I told you last week, Anything that you say is of God, then it also means that it is of you. And anything that you say it is of you, then it means it is also of him. Because you are in union with him. Praise God. In this particular context, if it is a company money, just get it clear that you don't have power over your company money. So that one you can do anything because we live in this world. So if your boss wants to take you to the court, you can stop them. But then if you have the power to make peace, like Apostle Paul told us, and it depends on you, just do that. Praise God. Okay? And so we don't live in selfishness. We don't place value on material things to become a stumbling block in the faith. It is the least of things that should make us quarrel against one another, that should make us go to the law courts, that should make us cut ourselves. No. So we have to be careful the kinds of things we teach. When we teach covetousness and greed, people do all kinds of things and are not ready to let go. Because we present them as that is their lifeline. That's what gives them worth. And that's what gives them value. Some of these things when it happens to you, you, be, you know how we cry. And you'll be crying. But listen, your cry you know. As I speak now, you now understand that it's out of selfishness. Because in your cry, what are you saying? In your mind, he did this to me. Me. Why didn't Jesus go on and murmur and complain? Rant and rave. But he said, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. So did Stephen. He followed suit. Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. Why? Because love believes all things. Love believes the best in every person. Have faith in people no matter what they've done to you. No matter what they did to you. Don't give up on people. Don't do that. Believe the best in people when they try and fail severally. Still believe in them because the gospel always always has power to change. Believe the best when they are weak. Expect them to do well. Don't believe the worst or expect the worst from them. No, that is not the mark of our calling. Jesus said to Peter when he came back, March sixteen, seven. he said, but go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him as he said to you. So when Jesus was sending the message, he sent categorically, "Go tell his disciples, and then he singled out Peter and said, and Peter. So that nobody would misconstrue and say that, oh, ask for Peter. Dear. He said, no, he didn't even mention. When they came, Mark chapter 16, verse 14 said, he rebuked them. Why did he rebuke them? He rebuked all of them together for the stubbornness of their heart and their unbelief. That was all he did. So love rebukes, but love does not condemn. And after rebuking them, what did he do to them? He sent them, verse 15, they should go into the world and preach the gospel. Signs and wonders shall follow them. And he spoke and said, and right after that in 20, Bible said they went everywhere. They preached the gospel and signs and wonders followed. God endorsed their message with signs and wonders. Even when they were unbelieving, he sent them out. That's the God we serve. That's how kind this God is. He rebuked them, but he acknowledged that they will do well. Don't tag people with their weaknesses. Don't use statements like, I know you. You can't change. It's not possible for you to change. No. Faith. Have faith in people. Hope. Hope in people. And let it always Be love undergirded because you love them. If you find yourself easily provoked, you are walking in the flesh. That's why he will say in Philippians, and this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge in all judgment that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense to the day of judgment. Praise God. When your mind is filled with love, you will judge excellently and you will judge only by the love pattern. Because that's your thinking pattern. Because that's your nature. Praise God. Ephesians 1, 15, 19. I want you to write it down. Ephesians 1:15 to 19. We're talking about the knowledge of his authority. Write it down. He speaks and opens us up to the knowledge of his authority. You need to understand who you are in Christ. And it's very key to your walking in love. Praise God. And then we go to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. Verse 14 to 20. Apostle Paul speaks about the knowledge of his love. So the knowledge of his authority, Ephesians 1:15 to 19. The knowledge of his love, Ephesians 3, 14 to 20. Now what we're going to look at is Colossians chapter 1, 9 to 12, which speaks to the knowledge of his will and spiritual understanding. The knowledge of his will and spiritual understanding. Can we go ahead now? For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him. Being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, for all patience and long suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us, who has qualified us, who has qualified us. To be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Praise God. Praise God. So this is the prayer Apostle Paul prayed for the Colossian church. And he was talking about their understanding, the knowledge of his will. And their understanding. He's not talking about natural understanding. He's talking about spiritual understanding. So he says the knowledge, and the word knowledge there is the word epignosis in the Greek. The accurate, precise knowledge of his will. Thelema. God's desire. The desire of God specifically. It comes from the word telo. It means to will. The result of the will. Is the M8 telema. So, what he's talking about is generally talking about the result of what one has decided. So, this is what God wants done. And therefore, we have the knowledge, the precise, accurate knowledge of what God wants done. It has to do with what he has decreed as well as his emotions. So what God wants to do and desires to be done. So there are certain things that God has not necessarily decreed. But this is God's desire that he wants to be done. And so because we we are lovers of him by nature and he has wired us with his love and we know the knowledge of his will... We go ahead and do it. Why? Because we have spiritual understanding. The word spiritual understanding is the word pneumaticos. Spiritual pneumaticos. Anything that has to do with the spirit. In other words, it is worked by the spirit. So it's a spiritual understanding. The word understanding is the word sunesis cleverness or to be smart about the knowledge so it's applying the knowledge in the practical way so this is applying spiritual things in the practical way in the most practical way that is why he talks about it producing good fruit so he's not talking about your ambitions The good fruit here is talking about showing Christian conduct in every way of life. And doing ministry and everything that has to do with our salvation. We have been giving everything. When we understand and we have knowledge of his will. We will bear fruit in every good work. The word fruit there is the same word that was used when Jesus was speaking about the parable of the sower. And you realize that he was talking about the effect of the word. And the word he spoke about is the seed which contains the power of God. The words I speak to you, they are spread their life. The power of God. So there were four hearers. First, no conviction. Second, no root in themselves. Third, last, choke the word. The four, the word produced fruit. The word produced every good work. But even with that, you realize that there were levels of the produce. There were levels of the fruit. Some 30, some 60, some 100. So you see, the problem was not with the word. The problem was not with the power of the seed. The problem was with the hearts of reception. The receptivity the choice to receive what was coming to them and to apply it. It is no more in the seed. It is now in the earth to receive the potency of the seed. And that is why it is very clear when he spoke about the spiritual understanding because we have a natural understanding and we have a natural way of responding to things with the natural mind which is the mind of the world and that is what Romans chapter 12 verse 2 talks about that we should not be conformed to this age we should not be fashioned or fashioned our mind our thinking pattern to this age, but be transformed in the renewing of our minds. So you see, the key has to do with the renewing of our mind. matiso Sus- is the word to conform so that we copy the pattern of the world, and we live the pattern of the world, even though we hear the word, and the word has the power to change our minds and change our pattern of behavior, we choose not to respond to it, but we respond to the natural way of thinking, and we think like the word, not because the word is not powerful, but it is in our choice of will. Because he speaks clearly. Watch this. In the verse 11. He said strengthen with all might. According to his glorious power. So you see the bearing of the fruit. Regarding the knowledge of his will. To have spiritual understanding. So that we would walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, doesn't come by ourselves. We have already been wired. Know that we have what the kizo. We are of God. We are the new breed. We have been wired by God. If you read Ephesians 1, 15-17, it talks about the great immeasurable power that is at work in us. And if you come here, he said we are strengthened by his glorious power that is at work in us. So it is the power that works in us. So the power is working in us by the knowledge of his will that comes to us. And we have that spiritual understanding and we now choose to respond to the power and to walk in the way that is worthy of the Lord. So the excuse has nothing to do with the word, has nothing to do with the spirit, has nothing to do with God. It has now all to do with us responding appropriately and accordingly to the word. The word strengthened in the Greek word is the word dunamō it depicts capability and its demonstration capability and is so the believer by the power of the Holy Spirit has capability to demonstrate the Word of God to bear fruit by the Word of God this power comes from God through the spirit to the believer and this power lives in us and continually supplies the believer by the Holy Spirit. It continually, continually, continually. This power is not just power. It says he strengthens us with all power, all might, all dynamis. Ah, praise God. In other words, it is sufficient in every degree and sufficient for every situation. So it has nothing to do with God. He has given us everything and strengthens us by all power at all times, in all sufficiency, at every degree for all situations. That's why John Wesley says something. He said that there is something that looks like faith. It is not faith. It is called a mental accent. And the devil gave it to the church. The mental accent says, I admire it. I have heard it before. I have lent it. But I'm not going to work with it. You know it. You heard it before. But you're not convinced about it. In other words, you have everything. It's not so much head knowledge, but being precise and clever about it to apply it properly. So what is Colossians telling us? He's telling you and I that the believer's salvation is wrought by the power of God. We didn't do anything. All we needed to do was to receive. The believer is giving power. To live the Christian life because we are strengthened by all power in his glorious might and we walk in this dominion of the power. Oh, only that we respond to it and we become those who have dominion over life and over situations of life. And we walk in this love life and we can love anybody who hates us. No matter what they do, nothing moves us. Because this power is at work in us and we are responding to it. We are like the tree planted by the rivers of water. It's live, don't wither. Whatever he does, prospers, that is the life we live. We have been given power to live the Christian life. Power to Evangelize power for ministry. We have all the power to work with if we choose. To. So, the believer's strength helps the believer to do what's right when we don't want to, to keep going when we don't want to, to stop acting in a certain way. When we know we should to trust God in spite of what is happening around us to boldly speak up even though it is becoming to keep silent. In other words, it's so cool to keep silent. We're able to speak up boldly by the grace of God. We are strengthened to keep living for the Lord. When it is popular to renounce your faith, we are strengthened to keep living according to the principles of scripture rather than pursuing mysticism. We have all the power. All we do. First Peter 1.3 will tell us 40, 1 Peter 1, 13 to 14. Therefore, get up the loins of your mind. Guard. Guard. Guard the loins. Hold your mind. It's so precious. Guard your understanding. Be Be sober rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Don't copy the world. Don't admire anything about the world, anything about your past. No. Rest your mind fully on the grace that is brought to you at the revelation of Jesus, at the illumination of his light. As obedient children, he calls you by your name. He says, first you were dead. You were rebellious children. Now you are not rebellious. He said, as obedient children, because the spirit of obedience is in you. He's not calling us obedient children because we obeyed or because we will obey. He's calling us obedient children because that's our nature. And so he said, let that form your mindset. You are an obedient child. I don't see my members as stubborn. I never see my members as rebellious. I never see a Christian brother or a Christian sister as rebellious. No matter what they do, I still see them in the light for which Christ has made them. And I know something is turning inside of them. So far as they get the knowledge of his will, they, are, they will be strengthened. And they will receive the strength to walk. It doesn't matter. He can struggle with them. He can struggle. sink and struggle and struggle. It will come dead. Because the nature of righteousness, obedience, lives inside of them. Praise God. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former last. As in your ignorance, not conforming yourselves to the former that's not you don't copy your shadow. Copy your model copy your image imitate him that's you now. be sober be alert Ephesians 4:22. That you put off concerning your former conduct. The old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Still talking about your thinking. But be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That you put on the new man which was created according to God. In true righteousness and holiness. That's who you are now. Put on that. That's you put on the new man. Switch this one off and put on who you have been made. Let that thinking become you. Let that thinking walk with you. Let that thinking work with you. Walk in that mindset and that pattern. You are obedient. First Timothy 1:13. This is when Paul was giving his own testimony. Regarding his salvation, how Christ saved him. Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and the insolent man, I obtained mercy. Because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. It's the same word that has been used over and over again regarding ignorance. It's the word agnoia. It actually reveals and typifies willful ignorance. You choose not to acknowledge and not to respond to the word. You have admiration for your old tendencies. You are admiring your shadow, which is not you. Change your friends. Change the people you roll with. Change those who give you advice and counsel not according to the word because they are not feeding, they are giving you toxic. They are calling you to your shadow instead of referring you to your image. That's why you look into the word because that's your reflection. Keep looking into the word. That's where your face is. Because you look like Christ. And anytime you look into the word of his grace. And you see Christ. You see yourself. And you see how you look like. Don't look at any other thing. Stop listening to them. Stop following them. Stop using their values. That's not you. Ephesians 4. 11 to 16. Brings us to the fact that all Christians must have similarities and our mindset must be the same. And that's why we're given pastors who are teachers, apostles, prophets, evangelists. The fourfold ministry was giving us for this purpose. Some of us have been given special ability as apostles to others. He has given the gift of being able to preach well. Some have special ability in winning people to Christ, helping them to trust him as their savior. Still others have a gift of caring for God's people as a shepherd does his sheep, leading and teaching them in the ways of God. Why is it that he gives us these special abilities to do certain things best? Look at what he says. It is that God's people will be equipped to do better work for him. Building up the church, the body of Christ to a position of strength and maturity. Until finally we all believe alike about our salvation. We all believe alike. When anybody doesn't believe alike, show them all the love. Show them all the care, but don't buy into their counsel because they don't look like you and you don't look like them. You have a different model. You have a different model. Until finally, finally we all believe alike. Believe alike about our salvation. And about our Savior, God's own Son. And have become full grown in the Lord. Yes, to the point of being filled full with Christ. Then we will no longer be like children. Forever changing our minds. About what we believe because someone has told us something different or has cleverly lied to us and made their lies sound like the truth. Instead, we will lovingly follow the truth at all times. Speaking truly, dealing truly, living truly, and so become more and more in every way like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church, under his direction. The whole body is fitted together perfectly, and each part in its own special way helps the other parts so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Let Christ remain as your model. Look to Him, and you become more like Him. You are blessed and you are so favored of god you are so been adorned beautifully and nobody can change who you have been made but you have the choice to respond to your nature with a mindset regarding the knowledge of his will his particular desire with a spiritual understanding so you will bear fruit in every good work. You bear the fruit of love. And in that love, we'll see joy. In your conduct, we we'll see peace. We'll see gentleness. We'll see long-suffering. We'll see kindness. We'll see goodness. We'll see faithfulness. We'll see self-control. We'll see you actively reaching out for souls. Feeding the poor. Loving the unloved and the rejected. Living the victorious Christian life. The life of love. You are blessed. Grace, glorious grace.